Oh, what a joyful day it is to be in the presence of the Lord. And I'm not sure if you could hear what I was humming. I was humming to Amazing Grace. And we do have that from God. God's just been giving us so much grace grace just pours like the rain like the rain I've been seeing the past few days and this message is called overcome the storm overcome the storm and I would like to begin that message at Revelation chapter 2 Verse 26. Now, this part of Revelation is Jesus speaking to the church of Thyatira. And as he gets towards the end of speaking to them, this is what he said in Revelation chapter 2, verse 26. I will be reading from the New King James Version. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give him power over the nations. Now, from this verse, I will like you to circle two words. I would like to circle I would like you to circle overcomes and I would like you to circle the word power. Now if you don't have anything to circle those words, just make a mental note with those two words. Now from Revelation, I would like you to go all the way back well not all the way back, but Go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts that is in the New Testament. And it's after the four Gospels. It's between John and Romans. And while you're turning there. I want to tell you a little bit about it. The book of Acts was written by Luke. The same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke. Like Luke. He sent this book to the same person that he sent his gospel, Theophilus. And in the book of Acts, Theophilus gets to read about the wonderful acts of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the book of Acts is about. It's about the wonderful acts of the Holy Spirit. And in this passage of Acts chapter 27... Verses 9 through 25, you will see the Holy Spirit working through Paul. 
Now, Paul is getting towards the end. He is getting towards the end, and he is getting ready to go to Rome. And the ship that he is on is taking him towards that direction. And what I will do is I will read verses 9 through 25 of Acts chapter 9. And from there, I want us to see how Paul overcame the storm. And again, I'll reread the New King James Version. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also. If by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous head wind arose, called the Euroclinon. So when the ship was caught and could not lead, could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest should run aground of the citrus sands, they stuck they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would have been saved was finally given up. But after long absence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not have sailed from Crete, and incur disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of a God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take 
heart, men. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. In the book of Acts, there are 28 chapters. And this story is in the 27th. So we are getting to the end. And there's not really much about Paul's life and what happened in his trial with Rome and about his imprisonment. We get all those details throughout his prison letters and his letters to the pastors such as Timothy and Titus. Now, as you continue on in in chapter 27 and go beyond with what I read, you can see in verse 37 that the boat had 276 persons on the ship. And with Paul was Luke. Because in verse 15, we see the word we. So that tells us that Luke was with Paul. Now the time they set sail was around winter. And we can verify that in verse 12. And so when they were stranded after the storm, the 276 men were cold they were hungry because in verse 21 it says they had long abstinence and then as we continue onward we could see that they were stranded for two weeks in verse 33 it says today is the 14th day you have waited and continue without food and eaten nothing so in this shipwreck There were over 200 people that were cold, they were starving, and they thought they were going to die. Now, I want to take us to the beginning when I read in verse 9. Actually, let's go to 10. In verse 10... Paul, through his spirit, warns the men that they should not sail in the path they planned on. You know, he tells them that if we go down here, then nothing will be saved. And Paul tells this to the centurion, Julius and so Julius goes and talks with the owner of the ship and the hellsman now this is a great picture for us to see we see Paul and Luke the spiritual man versus the natural man the natural man in verse 11 ignored Paul Because they do not have the spirit. In their flesh, they were persuaded by their thoughts. They thought it was a good idea to go on the path that they planned on. And Paul warned them. Verses 13 and 14 the storm came. Like Paul 
said it would. In verses 15 and 16, the storm destroyed their ship. So after that, a majority of or all the natural men thought they were going to die. They thought their death will not be quick as if someone would cut their heads off. But it would have been a slow death. You know, earlier on, I mentioned that they set sail in winter time and they are in water. And for 14 days, they had nothing to eat. The natural man lost his hope. There's nothing that he could or say that would change anything. I think they wish they would have listened to Paul. And I want us to go on and see what Paul told them after the disaster. In verse 21, we see that Paul stood in the midst of them. And he says to them, Men, you should have listened to me. Yes, they should have listened to him. But they could not. They did not have the spirit. They did not understand what Paul was saying. They allowed their flesh take them to their death. And after Paul tells them that they should have listened to him, he did not boast. You know, I think they might have thought that they were really going to hear from him. And they're thinking like, oh, great. Not only are we going to die, but we're going to hear this guy tell us so. And you go on into verse is 23 through 25 or I'm sorry in verses 22 through 25 that isn't the case in verses 22 we see that Paul tells them two things that encourages them number one he tells them to take courage when he says I urge you to take heart after he tells them to take courage, he then tells them that no life will be lost. Now, I'm not sure how much hope they had at that time because they still saw their circumstances. They still saw that they were going to die. However, Paul, being a child of God, means that he is full of the Holy Spirit and he is being led by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit being truth cannot tell a lie. So whatever the Holy Spirit tells us, it will happen. So in verse 23, we see God's protection for 
everyone on the ship. We see three things. Number one, we see his control. You see, God had a plan to bring Paul before Caesar, and that plan was going to happen no matter what. God's plan for our lives will happen no matter what barriers will try to prevent it. And another thing we see in God's protection is we see his mercy. God could have spared Paul and Luke, but he did not have to spare the natural men. You know, Paul and Luke were like the natural men before they got saved. And thank God for his mercy that saved Paul and Luke, that saved you and I. And so we see God's mercy being extended to these men. And so that when they stood before his judgment, that they will not be without excuse. And later on, we see God saving all 276 persons. And so from that, we see God's promise fulfilled. God is a God of promises. So take heart. Now, verse 24 God tells Paul, do not be afraid. And I think it's a good idea to underline that and remember that. You know, you could be facing a storm right now. And you have the spirit of fear controlling you. You can't eat. You can't sleep. And like the men on the ship, you feel like you are dying slowly. If you are a child of God, who's been born again, who's been born again, meaning born of the Spirit, well, like Paul, you should not be afraid. Later on, while Paul, Paul was in prison, he told Timothy on how to overcome the storm he was in. And to see that, I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And in this, you will see four things that can be done so you can overcome the storms in your life. And you know what? About storms. You're in a storm right now. And that storm is going to end. After that storm ends, there will be another. And when Paul wrote 2 Timothy, he was in another storm. And this storm was bringing him to his death. And the storm within the storm, Paul was in prison. Now, he was in prison for not doing anything wrong. 
he was in prison for preaching the gospel. And you could read Paul's letters. You could read all of his letters. And never once was Paul bitter. He never blamed Christ. He never cursed him. He never blamed people around him. He never even blamed the government. He never wrote to the church and had them protest in front of government buildings. He didn't have them go and riot the streets. In fact, he told them to do the exact opposite of what natural men would do when they feel that there's injustice. Whenever natural man feels that they are injustice, they retaliate in the flesh. And their flesh being filled with hate can only express it the way a hateful person can in form of violence that comes from the mouth and that acts to the hands and feet. Now, as born-again believers, when we are in a trial, we should follow the example that Christ gave us. You know, when Christ was about to die, he did not curse his enemies. You know, while he was on this cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, even though they mocked him to come off. And while he stood before Pilate, he respected him and he answered questions. Now, Jesus in the flesh, being God in the flesh, he gave us a wonderful picture on how we're supposed to suffer. And Paul continues that example even in his suffering. And so, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. In this verse, we will see how Paul encourages Timothy to overcome the storm in his life. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I want to read a simpler version of that that comes from the NIRV. It says, God gave us His Spirit. And the Spirit doesn't make us weak and fearful. Instead, the Spirit gives us power and of love. He helps us control ourselves. So, from 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 shows how Paul overcame the storm. And there are four things from it and that we can take to overcome our storm. First, God gave us the Spirit. When we are born of the Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit. That Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Being of the Spirit means that we are led by the Spirit. 
Well, God not only wants us to be just born of the Spirit. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, also written by Paul, and he wrote this letter too while he was in prison. And he says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, when alcoholics go out and drink, they don't just drink just a sip. They continuously fill themselves even while they're drunk. Now, bear that in mind. Now, we should not be drunk, but we should be filled with the Spirit. And being filled with Spirit means being continuously flowed endlessly, that we should drink the Spirit nonstop. We should not just take a sip, but we should continue to drink the Spirit. So within our spirit, the stomach will be filled with roaring holy water. And that's a great picture of what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. Paul was filled with the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit gives us power. And we see that. You know, the Holy Spirit does not make us weak. And I'm not telling you that when you have the Holy Spirit that you'll look like Mr. or Mrs. Olympia. No, no, no. Spiritual strength is stronger than physical strength. Let's scratch that. Even when the spirit is weak, it's still stronger than the body when the body is at its strongest. You know, when Jesus was praying in the garden... He told his disciples that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It means that when we follow Christ, we follow him in the spirit and not the flesh. The flesh is just tense. They are temporary tense. And what changes when we are born again is our spirit is regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And it's our regenerating spirit that becomes a new creature. Now, still as followers of Christ, we have to be under control. That means we have to be daily studying His Word because our minds still needs to be transformed. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul tells us that we should be renewed in our mind daily, and we should not fall into the ways of the world. We got to see the ways of the world on that wrecked ship. They followed their flesh. They thought that their plan was better than what Paul was trying to tell them. And we saw where that ended. 
we saw where they almost died if it hadn't been for Paul. If Paul did not perceive his spirit, then none of those people would know of what to do. You see, the Holy Spirit enlightened us. It was the Holy Spirit that saved those people on that wrecked ship. It was the Holy Spirit that gave them real hope. The Holy Spirit promised them that they were not going to die, and they did not. And so, being filled with the Spirit gives us power. And Paul had the authority of Jesus, so do we. Now, we see in verse 7 that the Spirit gives us love. The Spirit loves us. Know that God loves us. And we saw the love of God spread through that wrecked ship. We saw His mercy given to them, even though no one on that ship deserved it. And no one in this world deserves it. And while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because that's how much God loves us. Now, in verse 4, the fourth thing, and I like the way the New King James Version says it. After he tells us that he's given us a spirit of love, he then goes on and tells us that he gives us a spirit of a sound mind. And in the NRV, it says he helps us control ourselves. Control ourselves and having a sound mind is the same thing. When we are born of the Spirit, that means we say yes to Jesus. And Jesus says that if you abide in me and abide in my words, whatever you ask, and it will be done. We have the promises of Jesus. And when we are looking into our spirit for guide, well, we should look into the word. We should not be hearing voices. Now, the Holy Spirit can speak to us our inner spirit can speak to us yes and yet we need to discern and see if it's from our soul where our thoughts and emotions lie or it's from our spirit and remember the spirit of truth will give us the word and the only people that can receive the word are people that have been born again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that the natural man cannot understand the word of God. Which is why the men on the boat could not receive what Paul was trying to tell them. 
only people who have received the Holy Ghost confess that Jesus is Lord. And we hear that verbally and we can confirm it in the word, the Bible, and it gives us a sound mind. Paul trusted the word and he stood on the rock and not on sand as the other natural men did. Jesus, that had authority over the storm, says, Whoever abides in him and his words are wise like the man that built his home on a rock. A man that builds his home on sand, and you could replace sand with world wisdom. A man that builds his home on world wisdom is foolish, and the storms will knock it down. You know, I've been saying this word storm a lot, and you could replace the word. You can replace storm with the word trials, tribulations, and temptations. And God allows these things to come our way. Because He wants us to be complete. He wants our faith to be more than gold. Now, not all trials and tribulations are because God allows it to happen you know we sometimes can be the cause of it especially when we live in sin when we live in sin then yes we can be forgiven we can receive the mercy of God when we repent however Sometimes we have to go with what we did. You know, David, when he committed sin with Bathsheba, he repented and he was truly sorry. And yet he still had to pay the consequences for his sin. You know, God told him that his child with Bathsheba will die. And, you know, David pleaded. He asked God. And still his child died. Now, that right there reveals that an unborn child that dies in the womb, or a baby that dies, you know, goes on to be with the Lord. Now, no one knows the exact cutoff. I believe that once you start to develop a conscience of what is right and what is wrong, then you could die. And when you are not saved, you could spend eternity in hell. And no one knows the cutoff age. No one knows the cutoff age, you know, to where we are able to understand the concept of God right or no God right or wrong you know God has given everyone a conscience and everyone paces at that conscience 
differently. And so, you know, you have people with, you know, special needs that have a mind of a child, you know. Obviously, it's a, I should say, all things are possible to who believe them. And yet, I think God's wise enough to know that these people are never going to connect to their conscience. So I believe in those cases that they will be in heaven, you know. Well, anyway, I'm going down this trail and I want us to bring us back to close us out, you know. And I want to read the last thing I said, but I'll use the word trial. A man that builds his home on world wisdom is foolish. And the trials will knock it down. Now, God's children can overcome the storm when they are filled with the Spirit. Know they have the authority of Jesus. Know they are loved by God. And know they have the word that they could trust. You see, Paul trusted God. That's why him and the others on the boat were saved. They were able to overcome the storm. And you can too. Amen.